toxic fumes that get built up in an organizational's culture, it can kill organization culture. And if things aren't vented properly up to the top of the organization, ultimately to the leadership that can solve the problems, is essentially that can be a silent killer. Greetings and welcome to this month's edition of the FBI National Academy Associates Leadership APB podcast series. My name is Tony Bailey and I'm the Director of Education and Training for the Association. Today's podcast is sponsored by Panasonic Connect, Change Work, Advance Society, Connect to Tomorrow, and entitled Cultural Monoxide, the Silent Killer of Organizational Culture. Today, we will be featuring Mr. James Albright from the city of Ackworth, Georgia. James Albright is the husband to Shannon, father to Grant and Ashton. He and his family reside in Ackworth, Georgia, where he serves as the city manager. James has been with the city of Ackworth for 23 years, where he served as the director of Parks and Recreation and Community Resources until he was appointed as a city manager in July of 2021. He holds a bachelor's degree in recreation management and a master's degree in public administration, both from the Kennesaw State University. James enjoys studying leadership, organizational structures, and has a hobby writing weekly blog posts on a community leadership at leadershipandmaine.org. And now it's my pleasure to introduce my friend and the city manager of the city of Ackworth, Georgia, Mr. James Albright. Welcome, James. It's great to have you joining us on today's podcast. Thanks, Tony. It's great to see you, man. The title of this podcast, Cultural Monoxide, the Silent Killer of Organizational Culture. Being a subscriber to your uh, your blog, um, I can tell you that the title alone was intriguing. And as I read further and further into it, I got to thinking this concept applies across disciplines, across organizational boundaries even. I thought, what an opportunity to to bring you on board and share with our group, you know, your thoughts on this process. So if you could, what is cultural monoxide and how did you come up with that concept? Well, first of all, I think what we need to get straight is as we start this for everybody that that's listening to this is one, I nor our organization have it all together. <laughs> Whenever I speak or write, it's typically out of curiosity and trying to figure out how to be better and do better. So nothing that I say throughout this podcast will will represent that we have it all together because we don't, and I don't as a leader, but I think we're constantly evolving and in the process of becoming better leaders or we should desire to be at least. So this concept just kind of came to me. It popped in my head. And I think in order to understand it, we need to understand really three things. First, like it came from the concept of carbon monoxide, which is what most of us understand as Um, And the CDC just defines it as an odorless gas that can essentially kill you, right? And we hear this and we hear unfortunate incidents where people can die from carbon monoxide. And the way the carbon monoxide is dangerous is essentially in our houses, like for example, in mine, my furnace is located in the basement. And if you look at the top of the furnace, carbon monoxide are the fumes that are generated from that burning gas. If you look on top of your furnace, there's a pipe and it runs all the way out to your roof. Well, those fumes are not dangerous if they're vented out properly up into open air. Where things get in trouble is when your furnace isn't operating properly, there's a hole or damage done to the actual vent up to the top of the roof. That's where things become dangerous. And ultimately what that gas does is it just, the toxic fumes just kind of seep out from there and uh, can be extremely dangerous two people when they're not ventilated properly. So that 
kind of got my brain rolling on this concept of cultural monoxide because you've been a leader in, in various organizations and you know this, right? Toxic fumes that get built up in an organizational's culture, it can kill organization culture. And if things aren't vented properly up to the top of the organization, ultimately to the leadership that can solve the problems, is essentially that can be a silent killer of organizational culture. And I think it's also important to note kind of what culture is. We hear that a lot. It's almost become a buzzword out there. But I think really, I believe that culture or the behaviors, the attitudes, the beliefs, and sometimes just like that simple feel of what people feel the organization is when they come to work. I think it was Peter Drucker that said, uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. You know, we talk a lot about strategic planning and everything, but ultimately culture eats strategy for breakfast. So if culture is the most important thing as leaders that we should be shaping and forming, this concept of cultural monoxide really is, uh, it's stuck with me. That's uh, that's an interesting take on there. And I can absolutely uh, relate that in some of my past uh, environments <laughs> as well. So well put. How do we recognize the symptoms of cultural monoxide in the workplace? It's funny. If you go to the CDC website and you look and it talks about symptoms um, that you recognize and it talks about on their website, headache, dizziness, uh, weakness, upset stomach, vomiting, chest pain and confusion. And you think about all those as a leader when you have a struggling culture and negative and toxicity in your work culture. Some of those are the same symptoms that we experience as leaders, right? So I think as leaders, it is our job to be the ones that detect this. And one of the things, a little tool that I've always liked to use is what I call a culture checkup. And thinking along the lines of when you go to your your doctor screening, right? You go and the doctor tells you what you've been doing well, right? You've been eating right, you've been exercising, or <laughs> tells you your blood pressure is high, right? Or you haven't been eating well, you're not exercising enough. So it tells you what you do well and what you need to improve upon. And one thing that I enjoy doing in our organization is going to our leaders, you know, our department heads, our division managers, and hearing that feedback and just asking some simple questions, all right? So culturally, how are we doing? What are those things that we do well? But what are those things that we need to improve upon? And it's amazing as a leader sometimes just taking that time and going around and listening to people, the things that you can detect in an organization, right? You know, I think most leaders, the further you go, the more you get spread thin and you don't always get to hear that stuff going on at the ground level, maybe even middle level management. But when you just take the time to listen to people, you can learn about your organization. So it's an exercise we do every couple of years with our team. We just go in and we listen to them and we, we do a culture checkup, figure out what we're doing well, what we need to improve upon there. That's very good advice. And uh, I do uh, do believe you're correct in uh, the symptoms kind of mimic each other. <laughs> <laughs> most people can relate, especially in the field that that uh, most of the listeners are in. So. so how do we create a culture where our people feel comfortable to take their problems to the people that can solve them? You know, we just talked about the culture checkup. That takes a lot of time, right? It's not something you can do frequently. I'm a strong believer in presence. I learned this at an early age in leadership. I'm a task-driven person. And I used to come in the door in the mornings and arrive early and put my head down, go straight to my office and start knocking out tasks, right? And I'll never forget, I had a team member come to me and they're like, why are you always mad when you come to work? And I'm like, I'm not mad. I'm just focused. Like, I got to get to my desk. I got to start knocking out tasks. And for me, 
what I understood is I had to do a better job, right? Like I had to walk the hallways. I had to take the long route. I had to stop and check in with everybody as I walked back to my office to get to my task. And ultimately, essentially, it had to resonate with me that people were more important than projects. And, you know, I think as a leader, presence is everything. And it's tough. And you know this from from leading a police department. You know, you want to be able to be actively engaged with every shift, you know, both day shift and night shift. You want to be able to connect with uh, the criminal investigations division that, you know, may be working odd hours. But as a leader, you've only got so much time. So, like, how do we intentionally be present with our team, right? And some of that may be just showing up for a shift briefing. It may just be coming in and dropping in on a meeting here and there, coming in to have dinner with a shift, something like that. But those things go a long ways. And sometimes those comfortable settings over a cup of coffee, those are sometimes the best way uh, to kind of detect what's going on. And there's this really, really good quote by uh, Simon Sinek. And he says, Hearing is listening to what is said. Listening is hearing to what isn't said, right? And there's a lot of times as a leader, you just got to have that feel and that pulse, but you can't have that pulse if you don't have a presence either. It's a challenge. It's a struggle. It's a tension we manage on a daily basis. The further that we go in leadership, having presence at all levels of the organization is extremely difficult. But I think having that presence makes people more comfortable to be able to come to you with their problems or their challenges and to be able to solve those. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. The the more comfortable people are with you as a leader, the more likely they are to come to you with issues. Mm-hmm. That's great. What are some of the other preventative measures that a leader can put in place to prevent the buildup of these toxic fumes? I know you talked about the culture check and and you know being present. Are there other things that people can do? I think another thing is we talk a lot about, it's easy to say that we have an open door policy, right? Just like I kind of described the the process of carbon monoxide, it has to be vented up. It cannot vent laterally through a house, right? If it vents out laterally through a house, that's where it becomes toxic. And look, I think it's a challenge for us as leaders too, because just because we may be the leader of an agency or a department, we also have to remember that we have coworkers, we have department heads, right? And like we may not agree with a leadership decision or a policy decision, but how do we handle that? Do we go to another department head? Do we vent laterally? To me, when you do that, that becomes the toxic part of what we do, right? That's when those fumes seep laterally versus going to the policymakers or going to leadership and sharing your concerns and venting upward versus laterally there. I think that's really important. And we see this and like a challenge for all of us is like, how do we do that with our team? You know, with our entry level employees, our mid level management, like we can say all day we have an open door policy, but on their end, it's not easy just to walk through that door, right? Like, how do we make it comfortable for them to walk through that door and to know that they need to vent up because ultimately leadership is who can solve that problem? You know, we need to understand too, there are people that are going to come to us with issues and the problem is not us. It's not the organization. It's the person, right? And and we have those challenges, but encouraging an environment where people can at least vent up, they can be listened to, they can be heard, or at least felt like they've been heard, I think is important in terms of being a measure that can help prevent those toxic fumes from spreading in an organization. Exactly. Exactly. And that's a a good point. You talk about an open door policy and knowing, you know, you've been in public service for 23 years, you know, Mm -hmm. 
the dynamics that that brings, um, especially when you start talking about law enforcement personnel, um, public safety personnel, when they have, you know, chain of command and they have all these rigid guidelines on, you know, command and control and things like that. So a lot of times that open door policy is difficult to overcome. And I believe you're, you're right that you got to create that culture that it's okay to come through that door, but with the same understanding that you're not going to undermine those under you, that if it's a, you know, a, an organizational issue or an operational issue, you know, talk to the, your supervisor and, uh, and handle it that way. Yeah, and it's even it's even a greater challenge, right? Exactly. You put that perfectly in the in the world of law enforcement because there are times like, you know, when things go south or there's um, a crisis, like chain of command is everything. And in in no way am I saying cuz I am a firm believer that you have to take your issues to your immediate supervisor, right? The issue becomes is if that issue doesn't get resolved and then those fumes just kind of fester at that level. And in no way am I saying that people should jump chain of command or anything like that, but you have got to go to your direct leader and you got to share your frustrations. You got to be able to feel comfortable in suggesting a new idea, a better way to do things. And that's probably on more of the leader to be able to listen to that and accept it. And we all can as leaders accept every good idea or any idea. Uh, there's funding restraints, there's policy restraints. Um, there's a lot of things that could prevent us from doing that. But yeah, that's that's the greatest challenge, right? How do you maintain that chain of command that you have to have, but also create that that feeling that people feel like they have a voice? Because there's a whole other generation of leaders coming, right? And they need to know that they're part of a greater purpose and that they have a voice. And you know, you study millennials, and then there's Generation Z coming behind, and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, statistics out there and, and data that show these people want to be part of a purpose, right? They want to feel engaged in their organization. They want to feel like they're part of a bigger picture. So, so you know, I, I believe I'm hearing what you're saying. And uh, who is ultimately responsible for establishing culture in an organization? Yeah, I think ultimately it's the leader. Um, I heard one time, really, we create culture daily with every decision we make, but also every decision we don't make. And when you think about negativity or, or toxic behavior in an organization, we as leaders, when we don't deal with those issues, we're creating culture. We're accepting that. We're telling the people around us that it is okay to behave in those manners that are negative, that are detrimental to the organization, that are toxic. So, you know, just that alone puts a lot of pressure, at least on me as a leader, when I think about that, that every decision that I make, right, and every decision that I don't make contributes to and ultimately forms our culture. And we could do really good for six months, right? But you start falling off in months seven, eight, nine, you're starting to create a culture of acceptable behaviors and attitudes in an organization. The leader is ultimately responsible for that. How important is it that a leader prioritize creating a positive and enjoyable work environment? I think it's extremely critical. One thing I believe in a lot is that as leaders, we have to love and care for our people, right? Now, a lot of times people can feel like that's soft, right? But what I'm saying there is sometimes like discipline, right? Discipline is a form of love, right? Like it is shaping and molding somebody. A lot of times I say that like as leaders, we're all pieces of clay, right? And we're being worked into this final finished product by the end of our career. 
pottery doesn't just happen overnight, right? It takes time, like it takes shaping and molding and, and discipline can be form of that. A lot of times when um, we do evaluations in our organization, I will actually, as we're evaluating department heads, I'll go to their direct reports and I'll ask them simple questions like, what words do you associate with their leadership? What do you feel like they do well as a leader? What do you feel like they could do, uh, improve upon as a leader? But the most important question I ask is, do you feel like that they love and care for you as an employee and a person? And I can tell you that question right there will quickly sum up how well somebody is leading in an organization or in one of our departments. And a negative answer to that can create a lot of concern. Honestly, if somebody feels like that, you know, there's a consistency that their uh, leader does not care for them, that can be symptomatic. It's one of those uh, symptoms that you can see in a toxic work culture, and it can it can tell you a lot about how a leader is performing. So, you know, we've covered a lot. And uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, you know, the the thought of cultural monoxide in an organization, it's absolutely true. It, it is a silent killer of an organization. What advice would you give to leaders who want to start diagnosing the problem? Start with yourself. I think a lot of times uh, the hardest person to address is that person in the mirror. And am I exemplifying the behaviors of a positive and enjoyable work environment? If we as the leader are most responsible for establishing culture in an organization, how are we going to make sure? Because look, none of us, nobody wants to work in a negative, toxic environment. Nobody. You know, and I think right now uh, I was reading a, an article the other day that said that 34%, I think it was a stat from 2002, 34% of employees are actively engaged. It said 18% are actively disengaged, right? Like, so those are people that are working against your organizational culture. Like when you say actively disengaged, like they are trying to impede your progress as an organization, right? That basically leaves like 48% up for grabs, right? Those are those people that are on their the border. They're either going to become those, you know, the 30, they're going to add to that 34% engaged, or they're going to become, they're going to increase that level of disengagement. But those statistics are staggering. When you think about only 34% of the workforce in 2022 are engaged, actively engaged. I think leaders, we got to look at ourselves and we got to figure out how we're going to establish a culture uh, that is positive. I think we've got to establish cultures that where it's not acceptable, it's not tolerant to have negativity, to be toxic. It's just not the place that people want to work. And right now with workforce challenges that all of we're facing, people have to be the priority. And if we don't build organizations... <laughs> And I heard a quote one time, General Shinshevsky, he said, you may not like change, but you'll like irrelevance even less. <laughs> so we as leaders, like we have to get on the bandwagon with understanding the importance of creating a positive and enjoyable work environment. Excellent. That's great advice. And uh, I couldn't agree more. Well, James, thank you so much for your time and sharing this valuable insight with us. Thank you, Tony. It's an honor. For more information on cultural monoxide, the silent killer of organizational culture, please go to leadershipinmaine.org. This concludes this episode of APB. Thanks again to our sponsor, Panasonic Connect. Change work, advance society, connect to tomorrow. 
Please join us again next month for another edition of our APB podcast series. Until then, stay safe and be well.